What's up, guys? It's your boy, Johnny Bananas, and I'll be covering all the treachery, deceit, backstabbing, and murder from season two of The Traders U.S. on my podcast, Death, Taxes, and Bananas. I'll be joined all season by my fellow castmates to swap stories, provide all the behind-the-scenes antics, and sordid details from filming. So sally forth and join me for season two of The Traders every Saturday on the Ringer Reality TV podcast feed. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Welcome to Food News. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm David Jacoby. Before we put 30 minutes on the clock, it's our 100th episode. Food News 2.0 is turning 100. I can't believe it. It's like at least six times longer than Food News 1.0. It brings me so much joy doing this show with you every week, Juliette. And it also brings me so much joy. And I'm still just honored and shocked that people, thousands of people listen to this every week and at it least, brings them joy too. At least a hundred. At least a hundred, right? Um, Yeah, we're going to celebrate with a little sh- Prosecco. You were trying to open it. I was like, I can do it. So I hope I can. You need to talk while yeah, I do it. Yeah, I will. Um, I was opening the bottle of champagne and then um, Julia saw me struggling with the label a little bit. It's like She goes, you know I'm really good at that. <laughs> it's like untying a knot. It's like, there's no, it's binary. You either do it or don't. Well, you were trending towards don't. Well, you know what? So you know I'm irresponsible. So I was going to do a little shake-up, thumb over, like spray around. Oh, and, no. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, it's, and, I'm not prepared to have that happen. That's like the time you um, <laughs> spit juice in my face. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking the same thing. It's a, oh, it's a hard, it's a hard oh, no for me. God, yeah. Oof, God. The second I did that, I was like, I, I regret that. Well, there's nothing to regret here. Uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Let's pour some Prosecco and put 30 minutes on the clock. Great topics this week. Great topics going around the world, as you pointed out. We're beginning in France. 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 En France. En France. Where um, two people, two protesters, threw soup at the Mona Lisa. This, this is, is something that's this happens been once covered in a while. before. Yeah, we've been here before. People throwing food at the Mona Lisa. And the, the thing that hurts me is the people that do this always have, like, they're always 
promoting a cause that I back. It's always the same cause. It's about no, climate no. change. It was climate change, but this is more of a food-based thing. Yeah, this is this about is protecting food farmers and, yeah. and food sustainability. Yeah, there's been, there's been protests in Paris of, with farms and rights and gas prices and whatnot. And what they called for, which is I found interesting, this group is calling for a food, co- uh, food card worth 150 euros to be given to citizens each month to be used on food. And I thought to myself, that's called college. That's college. Or... Is it called Spotify? Because oh, <laughs> we get a food card here at Spotify. Oh. <laughs> it's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah it sounds good. It is good. It's, All right. it's great. So I guess we let's not throw things at the Mona Lisa next time we're there. Here's my thing about the video footage of throwing the soup at the Mona Lisa. Most often, of most pictures I see of people at the Mona Lisa in Paris, there is a huge crowd around the painting. Like, huge. Yes. And there's actually no people around the painting. And it was 11 in the morning. Except for the soup throwers. So I'm just like... I'm calling bullshit on this. Like, yeah, it's just off hours. How did they make this happen with no crowd? That never happens. And then, and then the Mona Lisa always has a crowd. And then the security guards answer to this, which is absolutely like the. If you gave me a list of things of how I would react to someone throwing pumpkin soup at the Mona Lisa, and I was employed as a security guard there, deep, deep, deep down in that list would be get some um, Venetian blinds and then put some black Venetian blinds between the people and the protesters. And it, they shuffle around. They're clumsy with it. Like, it's not a quick response. So, and it's kind of like like when the uh, watching college football, they had those guys that hold up the towels to, like, mm-hmm. cover the signs. That's basically what they did. Yeah, so they were blocking um, the, the adulterated painting from yes. the rest of the audience. But apparently there wasn't anyone there, so it was fine. Yeah, and I, I also feel like, we'll move on, and just to keep this um, more about football, because normally... What people do. It's almost the Super Bowl. Is we need to treat these people like streakers. Mm. This shouldn't make it to food news. You know what I mean? Like you know, the streakers they used to show them on TV. Yeah. They stopped. They, it's like like it, next time someone throws some soup at the Mona Lisa, just don't tell us about it, and then people will stop doing it. Should we make a pact to stop covering it? No, this oh, is okay. food news. Okay, okay, just what we to, do. Just wanted to check with you on that. Great. All right, let's move on. Back here to America, where Chuck E. Cheese is releasing a cookbook. It's called Chuck E. Cheese and Friends Party Cookbook. Uh, I went to check it out on Amazon, twenty two ninety nine. Okay, um, Jacoby, do you have kids? I have kids. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, do you guys go to Chuck E. Cheese? Uh, we go to other people's parties at Chuck E. Cheese, and okay. we would never have parties at Chuck E. Cheese because this isn't just a parent thing. Everyone knows the food is awful. Mm. It is known. The food is terrible at Chuck E. Cheese. The pizza, it, I can't tell the difference between the pizza and the pizza box. Mm. Honestly. That's even really kids, bad sign. Even like four-year-olds take a bite of the pizza and they're like, what is this shit? <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese has the worst food and sure, cookbook, whatever. Well, I looked at the um, recipes because I was like, what are they having you make in here? And it looks like Chuck E. Cheese food. Like it looks gross. But I'm also like, if you like it, it, they're giving you a way to make it. Obviously, cookbooks always look better in the cookbook than when you make it at home. Yes. But isn't like this kind of place actually really expensive too? Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. I mean, you're having a party, so you're paying for like, people to come out. It's a whole package. Okay, it's a like, whole racket. When you go to Bolero, I know you can yes, drop some serious Bolero. cash on those like games and yes. then you get food. Yeah. Like This did seem a lot more economical to me than going to Chuck E. Cheese. But I have another question for you because I think you have kids. Uh, I have kids. Would your kids ever want to like get a Chuck E. Cheese, like a Bolero cookbook and like make their favorite no, Bolero dishes? No, absolutely not. Not in a million years. I was, like, I was like, who is this for? I don't know who it's for. I just, I don't, I, I honestly... 
if if you're getting this cookbook, I imagine you're in like the cookbook aisle. Imagine like a brick, like a Barnes and Noble. I'm imagining a Target actually, okay, or like great, a yeah. TJ Maxx where I have. I assume there's cookbooks. it's next to other cookbooks. <laughs> so why would you ever get the Chuck E. Cheese one? I feel like this is the kind of thing where like a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle is like, oh, I just need to get a present for someone, and they get this or something. Yes, Chuck E. Cheese is gonna it's gonna get blockbustered very soon. I think Chuck E. Cheese is it's on almost the out. Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, it's Bolero a very dated experience better. when you're there. Interesting. I feel like maybe in a few places they could still maintain it where like they don't have other great entertainment. Yeah, like a Dave and Buster's kind of a thing. Sure. Are they exactly the same? I've actually, I've never been to Chuck E. Cheese, but I've been to Dave and really? Buster's. Yeah. You're not missing anything. All right. Good to know. Um, all right. Let's move on to a big story out of China. And um, someone, we don't know who. Influencer, not influencer, to be named. Whose face was blurred in all stories about this, mm-hmm. though apparently this happened online. An influencer went to Costco and brought his own rice, brought their own rice. I don't know if it's a man or woman. Yeah, it's an influencer. It's an influencer. Brought their own rice and asked the um, people at Costco who were giving out samples to put, sometimes put the sample on the rice so he mm-hmm. could have like a full meal. Yeah. Other times like, he just took the sample, but he went back for seconds from some deep, yep. from some carts. Uh, and this is causing a huge stir in China, apparently. Yeah, uh, well, a couple things about it. Number one, it says, uh, the influencer whose name uh, has not been shared was able to put together a full flight of samples, including pieces of chocolate, pistachio nuts, egg puffs, lamb rolls, and pork ribs. Not a bad haul, <laughs> but this is what I want to talk to you about, Juliet. Okay. There's been a, like, a division amongst the people in the comments where some people are like, wow, this is genius. This is so good and brilliant, thank God. And other people, well, here's a quote, quote, while others called him greedy, or said that taking his own side dish to Sam Club was going too far. Where do you stand on the moral grounds of bringing rice and adding the samples to the rice and making a meal out of your experience? I'm going to answer, but thank you for noting it was Sam's Club. I was incorrect. Sam's yes. Club, not Costco. Yeah, Sam's um, Club. There's 11 Sam Club's locations in China. Starting to get a foothold. Um, Where do I stand on the moral ground here? Yeah. Um, I stand with the influencer. Yeah. I... You know, part of Sands Club is that they have things in abundance. So I don't mm. think he's like taking away from anyone else's experience. He asked for the leftovers. So when there was extra, it was like kind of like his own way of combating food waste. He was really polite. Waste. They noted he was yeah, he really was polite. polite. He wasn't like impacting anyone else's experience. So what is wrong with this? Like, who cares? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with it. My biggest question is why does the influencer have to remain anonymous? That's a great, great question. Um, I'm not familiar with the Chinese internet laws, but I think there's some, and they're not the same as they are here. That's all I have to say about that. I, I just I, I want food news to be able to be ex- accessed in China. You're right. Okay, let's move on. Um, next story. We've talked about this quite a bit, st- including your own personal experience. Starbucks has an olive oil olive oil latte called an oleato. Mm-hmm. Um, it is called a, by some a a laxative, a yes. legit laxative, <laughs> yes. and it'll soon be available nationwide. Yes, and as, as I've shared here on Food News, I uh, thought about getting one. I spoke to the person, at the barista at the Starbucks Reserve, and they said, do not do that. And um, I, I believe it doesn't taste good, and I also believe its effects on the body might not be something that you're looking for. Yeah, at least if you're like outside of the home, you know. Save, save yes, it I don't for... have a Starbucks reserve in my home. So, yes, I will be outside <laughs> you can of home. buy one and bring it back. <laughs> yeah, yes. how, how Do you make coffee at home or do you get oh, it out God. of the house? Oh, God. Quick first to food news. My wife <laughs> is obsessed with our new Nespresso. Oh, she went to the nice. Nespresso store and she came back with like $4,000 worth of Nespresso cups. She had such a great experience in the Nespresso store. She raved about it for minutes and minutes and minutes. And I had to listen to it and pretend to be interested. Okay, so Sorry, Joey. Nespresso's are great. 
once you, it took me a long time to really understand how to use it. I don't have one. I'm a Carrick person. So I, mm. but I support the Nespresso life. It's yes. like brother and sister. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is like a real game changer. It is so perfect for like just serving your own personal coffee needs, not having to worry about who else might be having your pot of coffee with you. And there are so many good pod options for Nespresso. I want to recommend. Oh my God. So, did, 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 please. Are there so many? She came back like, you know how people turn weed and make it nerdy? Uh-huh. Like, well, this is a, this is an indoor sativa strain mixed with this sour diesel and OG Kush. And you're just like, I did like, what? Like, that's what she's done with coffee. Okay. She, she breaks out the different, like, you know, uh, rolls of pods. She's like, well, this one has notes of hazelnut and there's a little <laughs> bit of gunmetal. And then she breaks out another one. It's like pink. And she's like, well, this has like a, it has a rose petal hints. And it was, it, it's, I, I don't, need to know anything more about the flavors of Nespresso Pods. I want to recommend to you, to Joey, and to our listeners, Grind Nespresso Pods. Grind is a coffee shop in London, Mm. and um, I have the coffee shop when I... uh, I have them when I stay at the hotel in London, or excuse me, the hotel in LA that I always go to. Okay. So fucking good. Grind Nespresso Pods. Check them out. I will. I mean, I guess go to Grind, too, if you're in London. I think we currently have about six months worth of Nespresso Pods. Okay, well, in six months, check it out. Yeah, when we re-up, yeah. (laughs) All right, moving on. Over to Israel, where they have invented lab-grown eel. Hmm. Um, they used embryonic cells to create eel in the lab. It's kind of like a different version of like farming fish in some ways. Sure. <laughs> um, and they say it tastes the same as the genuine eel. Uh, and it could be used in sushi in the future. I'm going to hold judgment on this one because there's a part of me that's like, I don't know. That's kind of gross. We don't know minutes. the long-term implications of this. Like, is this going to just create a generation of just people with three arms and tails? Who knows? That's a little weird. I maybe pump the brakes, but I can also look at it like lab-grown diamonds where it's yeah. like, hey, guess what? It's There's plenty of them. Doesn't hurt the environment. And it's the same thing, basically. Oh, I don't think there was like anything weird about it except like, does it taste good? Like, I don't think it's even different oh, than... Oh, you don't feel... Imagine, I would feel like if I had a, a bunch of lab-grown eel... And then I had a baby and that baby had like an eel sticking out of its ribs. Mm-hmm. I'd feel, I'd be like, oh, of course. I guess because it's made from embryonic cells. I'm not like they've invented it. It's like they've harvested eels. It's sort of like IVF for eel. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that seems fine. Sure. Farming a fish, I think, is like also in general, like gross. Yeah, so, pretty gnarly. Yeah. So w- which, which sounds better? Uh One thing I found interesting about this article, a quick note, in 2000, Japan consumed 160,000 tons of eel. Think about that. A a ton is 2,000 pounds. That's 160,000 times two. That's going to get you to 32, (laughs) 3,200,000 pounds. That's a lot of eel. That's a lot of eel. It's down 80%. Um, so maybe we need some of this. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Might, might need it. Also, maybe just like eat less eel. I don't know. Yeah. That's also an option. I find eel to be fine. I'm, I, I like it. I don't dislike it, but I don't order it. I never order it either. I'm like absolutely never. But if never. it's there, I'll eat it. But I do not order it. Same. All right. Next, let's move on to our heist of the week. Jacoby, over to you. This is a good one. This is a good one. First of all, I didn't know about the history of this restaurant. This restaurant's called La Tour d'Argent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, it originally was founded, it dates back to 1582. Just Things think about that. Things are old in Europe. 1582. It's been described as the oldest restaurant in Paris. However, that's been, it's, it, it's been refuted. Disputed. But sure, whatever. Um, one of my favorite things, this is one of my favorite sentences of the whole thing. I'll get to the heist in a second. This is my favorite detail. It's famous customers have included Charlie Chapman, Theodore and Flanker and Roosevelt, Salvador Dali, Brad Pitt, and Angelina Jolie. 
I think that is the most random selection of people. That it's just like I'm sure other more famous, more appropriate people have been to this restaurant since 1582. Like, how did Mr. and Mrs. Smith get grouped in with that? Okay. Franklin and Theodore Roosevelt. Counterpoint. At the time in which they went, they probably were all equal levels of famous. And so I feel like perhaps it makes sense. They went through like different decades and they picked people that like you would have known. They're probably the most, from that era, from that region. They're probably the most that era, the most famous person, most famous person who came. I mean, I'm a big Salvador Dali guy, but I just sure. found this to be a, a weird selection of people to talk about. OK, fine. Oh, just one more counterpoint to yeah. that. I would just say that the Frank, the Roosevelt's are the outliers. The rest are just, you know, celebs Folks. in the arts. Then we have, in 2007, this is the restaurant that inspired Ratatouille. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Didn't know that. Okay. So they, they would It does look a lot like it. It does. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> apparently the director studied the restaurant um, for tons of detail yeah. and like, you know, took sketches and everything to make sure it was appropriate. Okay. To the heist. Now, they have 300,000 bottles of, quote, the largest seller in Paris. And what they did, because they reopened in 2020, so they did an inventory of their 300,000 bottles of wine, and they found that an estimated 83 bottles were missing. First of all, I think that's incredible. <laughs> like, if you do an inventory of 300,000 anything, and you ended up having 83 missing, I think that's a, that's a reason to throw a parade. It's also amazing that they just could figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could We know what's going on in Chelsea. Identify the 83. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember the Chelsea thing? Like, yeah. it's, hard to, it's, it's hard to keep track of these bottles of wine. So I thought that would be it's a huge win, but oh, apparently it's a huge problem because of the 83 um, bottles that were missing, it's about uh, $1.3 million worth of wine, including some that could be worth up to like half a million dollars and some very expensive bottles. But it, it's uh, the, long, uh, the long and the short of this to me is, Wonderful restaurant. I would love to eat there. But I thought they did a great job of maintaining 299,917 <laughs> bottles of wine. And they're folks on the 83 that are missing. I think they're a real so you, wine glass half empty type of restaurant. And you're going half full, obviously. Yeah. Um, I would I, say like 99% full, to be honest with you. I'm just curious, like, who would have access to these bottles of wine? Are you so, trying to hint? I'm not saying it's inside job. What? I'm, I'm saying it's like, it's even tighter than that. It's like, there's only a few people probably who could get down there. So it's not, oh, like, yeah. it's not like a heist. It's like one of your employees stole. Yeah. Or I honestly think that it could just be human error. These 83, mm. 83 bottles over the course so of that many. amount of time. Yeah. Or just like you bring up two to show two and, and maybe one stays up on the floor or something. Someone is sweating it. That's all I know. Oh, they're sweating. Do you know why they're sweating? Another little nugget from this restaurant. Now, this to me, I, I, I'll reserve my thoughts. I want to hear okay. your take to this, this fact, which can easily go just unnoticed. The wine list weighs around eight kilograms okay. and has to be wheeled out to diners on a trolley. Your thoughts? How many pounds are in a kilogram? 2.2. So it's 16 pounds. Yeah, I'm about 18 pounds, 19 pounds. I don't think that you should have to roll that out. That can be carried. Great point, Juliet. It's not I think heavy. about a 20 pound barbell. It's like heavier yeah. than a normal book. It's like, but I can get from the kitchen to the floor. Yeah, you're just like, it's not that far. It's not away. that hard. Yeah, it's not that yeah. big of a deal. Babies, we don't need wheels. Babies weigh much more. People carry yeah, those. Yeah, carry them around. All the time. <laughs> yeah. That's a great point, Julia. So Look, I think they're just doing it for show. I don't think it really has to be held. Unless they've like, used some really fine, or I think it could be held unless they've used some really fine parchment and they're worried about like finger oils getting on there. Oh, no. Then, the, if that, then what's the point of that? The consumers are not, not touching it. Number so. two, I imagine this has got a lot of pages, right? Yeah. So what are you doing to my experience here? It sounds like a phone book. It sounds, yes. And it's just like, if you if you gave me a huge book and we're like, here's our wine list, sir, we'll be back in a little bit, I'd be like, 
What is this a joke? Is this a torture? I would be like, I'm here for you to, to lead me, me on a luxurious experience. So tell me what to Let's get. Let's talk about it. Three options and we'll pick. And then we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I think that is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's a trolley for the wine list. It's absurd. Completely I don't want to go to this place anymore. Okay. Ratatouille, great film. A lot of other great places to go in Paris. So you don't, you don't have to go. Let's go to Mexico. Okay. Let's go to Mexico, which is the ancestral home of the table side Caesar salad. Is it just table side or Caesar salad as a whole? Caesar salad as a whole. As a whole. We're specifically to, well, I think it, it did originally start in, Italy. But okay. then one Italian guy went, he emigrated and he went to Mexico and okay. he brought that was, him there. See, I, I thought they were claiming to be the original Caesar salad. No. In 1924, they started doing this special tableside Caesar, Caesar salad, salad at this place called the Hotel Caesar in Tijuana, in in Mexico. Tijuana, of all places. I, I know. To be, I was shocked. I was like, huh. I know. Tijuana brought us the Caesar salad. And this guy named Caesar Cardini is the one who brought it to Tijuana. And um, there's now a chef in Tijuana named Javier Placencia, uh, who was featured by Daniel Hernandez in the Los Angeles Times. And they talked mm. about how he's revived this custom of the tableside Caesar. And I got to say, it sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, probably Javier, but sure. Um, You're right. I'm going to say it sounds really good. Mm. And it, as someone who has eaten a million Caesar salads, prefers a Caesar salad, loves a Caesar salad, I couldn't tell you exactly what was in the dressing, but when they explain it, if you mind if I read this part, sure. quote, first, a rich anchovy paste is scooped in. This is followed by large dabs of Dijon mustard, minced garlic, a squeeze of lime juice, crushed black pepper, and shaved Parmesan cheese. The mix mixture begins to take shape as the server elegantly adds an egg yolk. Mm. That sounds so good. So good. You didn't know what was in a Caesar dressing? Not really. Mm. Okay. No. So I mean, you, I knew those things were in there. If you like put a gun in my head and I had to guess, I wouldn't guess lime juice. I feel like, but I would get there. I feel like Americans don't like the idea of the anchovy. Yeah. So it's like really hidden. But that has sort of like bastardized what Caesar salad is as I a am result. Pro anchovy on Caesar salad. Um, Hardcore pro anchovy. I like it in the dressing. Of but, course. But an anchovy itself is like too salty and briny for me. Oh, I like it. I like it. Just not my taste, but I am not like grossed out by it. I like it when they ask, oh, would you like anchovies? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this is a place that respects the Caesar legacy. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't judge people that don't want it. I just yeah, prefer just it. Not, not what they want. But I, I thought this was this was um, fascinating to me. So it's like tableside guac, but they do tableside Caesar. It sounds so it good. It sounds awesome. If you want to have it, you can go to the Hotel Caesar. That's It's had a renaissance thanks to Javier um, I also like the way that they present their romaine as a stock mm. that you kind of like use a knife and fork to cut. How do you feel about that? Love, because also one of my favorite like just foods is grilled romaine. Like I love yes. a grilled heart, heart of romaine, yes. and, which is very similar. I don't like it when it gets super wilty. If you can grill it, but not have it be like a wilty. A char, but yeah. not totally yes, wilted. exactly. It's so delicious. I, that, that, God, like a, a grilled Caesar salad. Mm. That sounds really good. So um, good. If you could give us a call at 646-138. Is it 138 or 148? What happened to you? I, I think I'm losing my mind. 138. It's 138. Yeah. 646-138. If you could give us recommendations of restaurants where they do a really good grilled romaine, I'd really appreciate it. Like anywhere in, in the country. World, perhaps. <laughs> okay. Road trip. <laughs> All right. One more story, Jacobs. Uh, question for you. Who invented butter chicken? I don't know. Well, they're going to be deciding uh, in court in India. <laughs> this this starts out as a like, because we've actually discussed this before. We talked about it with, I think, Masala. In, yes. Ten, in England. Masala in England. So I read this again. I was like, oh, this is going to be someone saying that they invented it and someone saying they didn't. But this actually turns into like a real 
like family versus family, like like Hatfield McCoy yes. sort of a thing. Because there's two restaurants. There's uh, Moti Mahal, which is an older restaurant that I believe was started in the in the 40s in in um, in India. Mm-hmm. And there's a new restaurant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this wrong. Daryajan, Daryajan, uh, I'll, I'll call it. Probably mis, mispronounced that. But that opened in 2019. So what Moti Mahal is saying, we invented butter chicken. The family of the people that are proprietors of the former are saying, we were- Darya Ganj. Yes, Darya Ganj. We were right next to you when when it was invented. Therefore, we can claim being the inventors of the butter chicken. And this is my favorite part of the whole thing is the garage family is seeking $240,000. We'll get to that. In damages, also alleging that Darya Ganj has copied the layout of Moti Mahal's website and the look and feel of its restaurants. You you bit our Squarespace website. I was to say, they probably all are all using the, the same, same template. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that they're like, okay, we can talk about the butter chicken thing, but also in this 2,700-page deposition, you're going to find... That you took our website. They're suing over $240,000. Seems a little light to me. Seems low. Seems a little low. For who invented butter chicken? (laughs) A foundational dish all over the world? Yeah, and this is like chain restaurant versus chain restaurant. Seems like there's more at stake than $240,000. I think the garage, the Gudral family should be going hungry. Gudral, yeah. Yeah. this is a big week for presidents eating at restaurants on Food News. I saw because that. Modi Mahal also said that Nixon and India's first prime minister, Nehru, uh, both ate at there. Nixon? So, That's what you're going with? Well, I mean, there's some been reclaiming of Nixon's legacy, I would say, in the last 30 years. <laughs> yes, there really has. <laughs> the 2,752-page se- court filing has been sued. What? could possibly be in 2,752 pages. I mean, the wine list being that long, it kind of makes sense. I, I don't know. I will say... The, is there a trolley? Do you think it has a trolley? Uh, no, they wouldn't do that there. I will say there's a picture of the CEO of Dario Ganj and um, the food, and it looks really delicious. Yeah. It looks really fucking good. Yes. Um. All right. Let's move on to today's taste test. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear. 
that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. It's a surprise. Surprise taste test. Furnished by producer Mike Wargon. Um, I'm going to take the Reveal bag. Reveal it. It's, we do not know what this is. It's being revealed do, right do, now. Do. Oh, I know what this is. What is it? This is Dulce Juice. <gasps> oh, my God. Dulce Juice from Spain. When we went to uh, Finca... D- Calabazera. Finca Calabazera. There was some Dulce Juice. Um, it was the... What Negra? Sapote. Sapote. Negra. Mike, where did you Sapote. find this? I bought it. I bought the fruit online. Oh, my God. How? Where? From Dulce? It was like fruithunters.com. Oh, my oh God. My fruit God. hunters. I never so, even heard of it. Sapote juice. In that, did you go back to the audio and find the recipe? Yeah. Well, you, the people, men- you mentioned that. So, the, just Wait, so you know, this, this is a what now? Black Sapote. Zac- Black Sapote. sapote. Oh, my God. And this is the same bottle that she used as well. This is awesome. This makes me so happy. Mike, you're a great producer. So when um, when we first were drinking it, it was fantastic. It was amazing. It was more refreshing than it looks. It looks like molasses, but it tastes like a like a watery apple cidery kind of a vibe. But it looks so it's good. not just black sepulte juice. What else is in it? It's one liter orange juice, one liter water, and then one to two black sepotes. This one's thicker. Ooh, oh, there no, we go. We're good. Oh, God. This Should is I shake so it up exciting. a little bit more, you think? Well, I got a spoon here. Mix it up a little bit. Oh, Mike, this is so fantastic. Mike, you crushed it. How oh, exciting. My God. I remember the first time this hit my lips. It really does look like a dark, dark chestnut beer. Yeah. It's like a some kind it, of like potion or a nectar. Yeah. It looks like something you would drink before bed, but it is not. It is a morning refreshing oh, beverage. Oh, it's really good. It remains really good. Yeah, this is it. This is so good. God, Mike. The fact that you can get it online is huge. Well, you didn't buy the juice, right? You made the juice. I made the juice. Yeah. Oh, my God. You just bought the fruit. Oh, my God, Mike. Great job. Mike is going the extra mile for the 100th episode. Mike, you crushed it. Thank you. That was a great trip. Thanks to United. Go to Tenerife. Yeah. I loved it. Um, Mike, Mike, thank you you so much. What do you think Dulce is doing right now? Um, Probably kicking it. She has a really nice home. Yeah, she does. It's warm. I hope she wasn't impacted by that big fire. I don't think she was. Oh, yeah. I don't think so either. She's good. All right. Let's move on to personal food news. Okay, great. Um, I went away for the weekend and I got back kind of late on Sunday. Mm. I didn't feel like going to the grocery store to get like milk for the next morning or whatever. So on Sunday, before I got home, I put an order in with Whole Foods to have my food delivered. It was like a pretty small order, but I was just like, mostly it was like, I'm going to need milk tomorrow morning. Mm. So I did... For uh, cereal, for coffee? For coffee. Okay. I did Whole Foods delivery. The time that I selected was 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Mm. It arrived at 5.30 a.m. A person delivered my groceries at 5.30 a.m., like rang the doorbell. And I was like, I'm up, so this is cool for me. But this seems insane for most no, people. No, that's not okay. <laughs> the fact that you're up and you can roll with it is fine. But if I, if I, if you give me a window of 6 to 8, yeah, let's hit the, the earliest you can be there is 6.01. 
I, the absolute earliest. It led me to believe that Whole Foods is open early for shoppers, like that yeah, are, for online deliveries yeah. and so yeah, that Didn't makes perfect sense of people putting stuff together and and whatnot. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. However, if you arrive at the location where you're supposed to deliver it at six at five thirty, I feel like you need to spin the block. A yeah, like times. just like go get a just coffee, sit, come yeah, back. Yeah, Starbucks sit on the is stoop, open. <laughs> sit on the stoop, look at TikTok, whatever you got to do. But like, you should not be ringing my bell at five thirty in the morning if I, if, if you, I ask for delivery at six. I was like, what do the neighbors think? Like this guy just coming in <laughs> grocery at five thirty. Huge window too, by the way. <laughs> six eight. I'm worried about your coffee. What if they came at eight? Like, yeah, you would have had a, a it, cup of black before. Would have been a shitty morning. Yeah, yeah, would have been shitty. So I, I was like, okay, this works for me. But only me, probably. 5.30 is really early. 5.30 a.m. super early. We're, we're 90 minutes out from sunset, sunrise, excuse me. So, tough. I have some personal food news. Oh, okay. It's a food news follow-up, and it's, um, it's kind of sad. Oh, no. Um, I've, I've revisited uh, Capriati's. Oh, wow. Yeah. As, um, you know, Did you as, get the Bobby? as I'm concerned about Joe Biden's tenure in the Oval okay. Office, I uh, just wanted to enjoy the Bobby, his favorite sandwich. And I went back to the Bobby at Capriati's, which I've had twice before and I had great experiences. And um, I ordered online and I asked for gravy and they didn't have gravy, but it took them 15 minutes to find out they didn't have gravy. Oh, no. And I got the Bobby, no gravy. And I ate the Bobby and it was dry. Dry as Dry and as fuck. So dry. The bread felt it was like it was from three days ago. Oh, no. The sandwich was like one of those things where it's like you take a bite, you have to chew it for like 90 mm. seconds before you can swallow it. You have to swallow it in little pieces. It was just, it was a really bad Capriati's experience. And Quincy had some too. And he was like, I think we're off the Bobby. I was like, we are off the Bobby. Oh, no. I feel really bad for Capriati's. I believe in you. I've had 66% of my Bobby experiences there have been great, but it just wasn't a great experience. That's really rough. I um, know. You know what I was thinking about would would be like a good food news field trip. Very basic. When I came back on Sunday, I was getting lunch for the train ride and I was like selecting between a few different places. And I was like, I really want pot belly, but I know it Two just won't fill me minutes. up. Yeah, I will. Well, let's just like go to pot belly together one time. I, I love, love pot belly. I love pot belly It too. smells good in there. It smells good. The sandwiches are good. And do you know one thing I love about the pot belly experience? Because I, Subway, pot belly, Capriati's, those are always solo missions for me. Mm. But if I go with you, what we can do is each get a sandwich and then split, split it. Split it. And so you get a different, you get half of a sando, I get half of a sando. It's a huge win. For some reason, they're just like better at toasting sandwiches than any other place. They are. And the, so the bread's good. good. The Italian's good. But I've always been curious about other things on the menu so we can do that. Okay, great. There's one here by so we could walk there. Let's do it. It'll be a great food news. Exciting. Um, all right, let's get to our very special listener food news for our 100th episode. Better be good. Hey guys, this is Lauren from Atlanta, a longtime listener. Um, I have two questions for you guys. Both of these are inspired by my father-in-law who loves whenever he comes over for dinner to ask uh, various questions. Uh, One of his go-tos is rank french fries in order of favorite to least favorite. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think on this and maybe even do a taste test for curly fries, waffle fries, um, chewstring. Uh, my other question is, and this is another one that he does, uh, if it was your last meal on earth, what would it be? My go-to, this is probably a hot take, is a burger cooked on the grill in the backyard. You can't beat it. It's just so good. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for calling, Lauren. Wow. Wow. We don't have another half hour. 
but I, I agree. I, my my final meal would be a really fucking that's good. That's a really good. Second yeah, it's and I like the grill back. Yeah, like that's a that's a really. I want good a fancy call. one. I'm sorry, Lauren. That's I want a really a good haul. One, but, I'm eating so much too. It's not even a meal. It's more of like a spread. Um, I want to just say something. I think there is no debate that the worst version of fries, though not bad, but like just sort of like the worst version, is waffle fries. Okay. Um. It, it, there's a couple. I need to. I need to establish the rules of engagement first. Okay. So this does not involve flav, flavoring the fries. So Cajun fries, seasoned fries, truffle fries. That's all. Well, I, I think curly straight. fries are like inherently seasoned usually. That's the thing. So let's just. All right, we'll let that happen. But no, we're not adding flavors. They're no. just French fries or fried potatoes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, waffle fries would not be my least favorite. Wow. And again, we're taking sweet potato off the table because I don't like sweet potato fries. It's, um, not, it's just not I a don't conversation. Like, I don't like the steak fries. Mm. I find it's like, if I'm using a knife and fork on my fries, like, what are we even doing here? This is now like a, so this like, is a different dish. So like diner fries, you're just out. No, I like diner fries. Those are regular fries. And I mean like steak fries are wedges. They're kind of basically like wedges with the skin on them. Uh-huh. Okay. Like big, huge French fries. Got it, got it. Those ones are okay. a no-go for me. Yeah, that's just like a potato wedge. I Top agree. of my head, I'm going, um, my number one would probably be classic. Okay. Like a sort of classic fry. And then I'm going to go shoestring, and then I'm going curly, and then I'm going waffle, and then I'm going wedge. Wow. Interesting. Top of my head. I think for me, number one is curly fries. Number two, shoestring. Number three, fast food classic. Yeah. Number four, diner fries, which is sort of like its own thing. You know what I mean? Sort of like thick. Yeah, frozen well, sometimes, they, sometimes if they're grilled really well or baked really well, it tastes good. <laughs> don't grill or bake fries. It's called fries. If they're fried really well, okay, it tastes good. Go. Okay, good. <laughs> um, then I agree with you. Like wedge fries are just not a thing for me. Yeah, it's like a different. But I think it's I still prefer thing. them to waffle fries. I, I don't find, like waffle. I find I, I think they're like the least natural. Like I'm just like, how do you get that shape with a potato? It's they they have a fry at JG Mellon which is like known for their burgers, but their fries are like kind of like a, like a scallop shell shape. Mm. They're really, really good shapes for dipping. This is making me hungry. They're really good. Let's eat. Okay. Um, thank you so much to our producer, Mike Wargon, who really went above and beyond with today's taste test. That was really awesome. Did. God, taking me back to Tenerife. Thank you all for listening for 100 episodes and so many more to come. We'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.